Good morning, church. Thank you so very much for being part of our online worship assembly this morning. Wherever you are, whether you are a member here at McDermott Road or you're somewhere else in the world, whether you're a member or you're a guest, we want you to know that we love you and we are so thankful that you're part of our online worship assembly this morning. We're continuing our series talking about family, talking about the home talking about being followers of Jesus, being citizens of the kingdom of heaven, and making sure that our homes are little embassies of God's kingdom within our neighborhood, within our community, within our world. If we as individual Christians are following Jesus and are being citizens of God's kingdom, and then we are influencing and leading our families, whether our families are big or little, maybe it's just you in your household, or maybe you have a spouse, or maybe you have kids, or maybe you have grandkids, grandkids or nieces or nephews, no matter how many people are in your home, If we're leading them and influencing them in the ways of Jesus, then our homes should be little embassies of the kingdom of heaven right here in our world, right here in our communities, right here in our neighborhood where we are being salt and light in the world. And so we've been working our way through the Sermon on the Mount between Mother's Day and Father's Day, and Father's Day is coming up, and working our way through the Sermon on the Mount taking these things that Jesus said and applying them to the family, applying them to the home and say, what would it look like? What would it look like if I lived out these principles, these kingdom principles, these kingdom ethics? What would it look like if I lived these things out within the context of my marriage, within the context of my parenting, within the context of my relationship with my brothers and sisters or my neighbors or my grandchildren or aunts or uncles or wherever or whomever makes up your family? What if you lived out these kingdom ethics within the context of your home? What if we were praying, not only, Father, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, but Father, may your will be done in my home as it is in heaven. I want to start this morning with a little bit of a game. So whether, again, whether you're in a household of several, or even if it's just you, you can play from home. Uh, So I want to ask you, which of these statements do you think is untrue? Okay, so you're you're looking for the untrue statement. You're looking for the statement that is not true. So you pick your number. Is it number one? Peanuts are not. Or excuse, excuse me. Peanuts are nuts. Is that statement true or untrue? Peanuts are nuts. Number two. The American buffalo is a buffalo. Number three. The koala bear is a bear. Number four. The mountain goat is a goat. And finally, number five, the starfish is a fish. I know all of those seem obvious and all of those seem self-explanatory, but I want you to pick which one you think is untrue. Which statement is untrue? Peanuts are nuts, the American buffalo is a buffalo, the koala bear is a bear, the mountain goat is a goat, or the starfish is a fish. Which of those statements do you think is untrue? Okay, you got your number. Which one do you think it is? They're actually, Travis is even holding up a number in the back. He picked number three, and he's right. In fact, whatever number you picked, you're right, because they're actually all untrue. None of those statements are true. Peanuts are actually not nuts. They're legumes. The American buffalo is actually not a buffalo. Buffalo is a real animal, like the Cape buffalo or the water buffalo, but the American buffalo is actually a bison and not a buffalo. The koala bear is a marsupial. The mountain goat is actually called a goat antelope, and the starfish is not a fish at all. So anyway, 
<laughs> I say all of that uh, because it's kind of fun to work our way through that and, and none of these things really matter, but all of these statements are untrue and I think that it illustrates something that I wanna talk about this morning that sometimes it's hard to know who or what to believe. Sometimes it's hard to know who or what to believe. There are so many things in the world that are half-truths. There are so many things in the world that are deceits and deceptions, so many agendas, so many lies, so many liars. There is so much deceit in the world. There is so much trickery in the world. There is so much twisting of information in the world. So many people trying to lead people in one direction or another, saying things that are just flat out not true or are a twisting of the truth. And so it leaves us, it leaves people, it leaves every single one of us saying it's hard to know what to believe. I don't know what to believe. And over the last several months, that has been illustrated for us over and over and over again, hasn't it, church? I don't know what to believe. You see one news story on the news, or you see something in your news feed, and it seems to say one thing, and then the moment, the next moment later, you see something that says exactly the opposite, and you say, I don't know what to believe. I don't know who's telling the truth. I don't know what the truth looks like. I don't know where to look for truth. Because there are so many lies, because there are so many liars, because there is so much deception, because there is so much falsehood, because there's so much misinformation, sometimes it's hard to know who or what to believe. And so here's what we end up doing. If, if we hear something that doesn't support what we already believe, we say that's probably not true, right? If somebody says something to us or shows us something and it doesn't support what we already believe, we say that's probably not true. I don't believe it. We've turned into a whole lot of skeptics, haven't we? Because we don't know what to believe. We don't know what's true. We don't know who's telling us the truth. We don't know what's a lie and what's the truth. So when something comes along and somebody shows us something. We could see a picture of it. We could see a video of it. We could hear audio of it. And we say, I don't believe that because I just don't know what to believe. So if we hear something or see something that doesn't support what we already believe, we tend to just reject it and say, I don't trust that. I don't believe that. But unfortunately, Another thing that we do is when we hear something or see something that does support what we already believe, we pass it along to other people. We say, yeah, did you hear about so-and-so? Do you know what he did? Did you, did you see that news report about this thing or the other thing? And if it supports what we already believe, we pass it along, even though sometimes that's not true either. And we end up perpetuating the cycle of deceit. In fact, we might say this, we might say that the world is caught in a cycle of deception and distrust. The world is caught in a cycle 
of deception and distrust. And because we know that there is so much deception in the world, because we know there is so much lying in the world, because we know there's so much misinformation in the world, because we know that there are people with agendas that are just trying to lead us in a certain direction and are twisting the facts to suit their own agenda, we say, I don't believe that. And so we distrust. And it's really, really, really hard to convince us to believe something that we don't already believe. It's really hard to convince us that someone is telling the truth. But, but then in the midst of all of that cycle of deception and distrust, we end up perpetuating that cycle so many times, don't we? Church, I wish, <laughs> I, wish I could tell you that I've, I've never been guilty of participating in the cycle of deception and distrust, but I have, and likely so have you. I've lost count of the number of times friends, family members, church members have shared with me information. Did you know that this politician said such and such? And it took me about 60 seconds on Google to figure out that's not true. That's not true. They didn't really say that, or that was taken out of context, or that really wasn't what that person said. But that Christian person Whether they mean to or not, they're perpetuating this cycle of deception and distrust. And now the next person that they say something to about politics or about whatever it may be, they're not going to believe them. They're going to distrust them. Why? Because last time you told me something about that person, it wasn't true. And they're participating in this cycle of deception. And every time more deception is perpetuated, every time it is perpetrated on people, there is more and more distrust. And it's not just politics, and it's not just news. When I first started out in youth ministry, I remember there was, it was really big to share sort of apologetic material about Christianity. Here's why you should believe in God, because of this, because of that, because of this other thing. And all of this sort of evidence was was given to say, this is why you should believe in God. And as I started working in youth ministry, I wanted to share that information with my young people and say, here, here's some evidence of why you should believe in God. And did you know what? Some of the time I would look into that information and some of the information that was being passed off as evidence of God's existence wasn't even true. That doesn't mean God doesn't exist. God very much does exist. But people, for one reason or another, were perpetuating evidence that was faulty to support the view that they already believed in. But as that evidence was passed off as true and people would examine that evidence and look at it and say, if this is your proof, then I don't believe you anymore. And even Christians trying to support their view in the very real existence of God, sometimes can fall victim to perpetuating this cycle of deception and trust and distrust. So we have to break that cycle, don't we, church? Those of us that are committed to following Jesus, those of us that are praying, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, may your will be done in my home as it is in heaven, we have to be committed to breaking the cycle of deception and distrust. Our homes have to be places of trust and truth. Places where we don't tolerate lies. What if, what if our houses 
What if our homes, what if our families were places like that? We don't tolerate lies. We don't tolerate lies. We don't tolerate lies from people we like, and we don't tolerate lies from people we don't like. We don't tolerate lies from people with whom we agree, and we don't tolerate lies from people with whom we disagree. We will not, we will not spread misinformation, even if it supports our views. What if, what if our homes, what if our families, what if our houses were places where we decide, I will not spread misinformation, even if it supports my views? I will scrutinize information and only say or speak or spread things that are true, even if, even if that piece of information might support my view, if it's not true, if it's misinformation, if it's twisted, if it's taken out of context, I will not spread it. And finally, we will keep our word. If we, if we say something, it can be taken to the bank. If we say we're going to do something, if we say this is true, then other people can trust us. And by doing these sorts of things, we break the cycle of deception and distrust. And we build cycles of trust and truth. This is what it looks like to be an embassy of God's kingdom in our neighborhood. Let's look at our text, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 33. Jesus says, again, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. So when Jesus says, you shall not swear falsely, he's not talking about swearing. Sometimes we talk about swearing as if that's saying bad words. Jesus isn't saying and talking about swearing or having sworn as saying bad words. It's really about a sworn testimony. And a lot of times at the time when you When you swore a testimony, when you say, I swear this is true, you also did it oftentimes with a curse, where you said, may the Lord strike me dead if this isn't true. May the Lord deal with me ever so severely if this isn't true. May the Lord take vengeance on me if this isn't true. So when Jesus talks about swearing, he's really talking about a sworn testimony. And oftentimes that sworn testimony was accompanied by a curse. Take, for instance, in Matthew chapter 26, when Peter is asked, wait a second, aren't you, aren't you one of Jesus' disciples? When Jesus is on trial and they come to Peter and they say, aren't you with him? You have an accent. You're from Galilee. I know that you are one of his disciples. And Peter says, that's not true. I don't know that person. I'm not one of his followers. It says that he denied it with an oath. And it says he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear. So when Jesus talks about swearing falsely, he's talking about swearing an oath. And oftentimes, like Peter does, He says something like a curse, a curse upon himself if it's not true. And oftentimes the Lord's name was used in that sort of swearing oaths. And somebody might say, may the Lord deal with me. May the Lord take vengeance on me. May the Lord strike me dead if that isn't true. Well, they believed that when you invoke the the Lord's name, then, then it carried with it a real binding quality. 
Because after all, if, if I say, may the Lord strike me dead if this isn't true, and then it turns out not to be true, and I've sworn to something that wasn't true, and I've invoked the Lord's name, then you would expect Lord's going to strike him dead, right? I mean, just wait. Lord's going to strike him dead. He lied and he used the Lord's name about it. And he, he said the Lord was going to strike him dead if, it was, if, if that wasn't true. And then what happens if the Lord doesn't strike me dead? Well, well, then God's credibility, God's reputation has been stained, right? And, and so they took that very, very seriously, if you invoked the Lord's name in your swearing, in your swearing of an oath, then, then it was super binding. It was even more binding than, than just saying. It was even more binding than swearing by something else, which, of course, led to them trying to come up with other ways that they could swear an oath and be taken seriously, because sometimes people don't believe you. They distrust you, like they did with Peter. They said, I don't I don't believe you. I think you really are one of his disciples. And so we try to ratchet it up because there's so much deception and so much distrust in the world. We try to ratchet it up a little bit, don't we? And we say, no, I swear that's true. May the Lord strike me dead if that's not true. Well, they wanted to be really careful. We got to be careful that we don't invoke the Lord's reputation here. We, we have to be careful we don't invoke the Lord's credibility here because if it turns out not to be true, we don't we don't want it to be binding on us like that. So we'll find something else to swear by so that people believe us, but it's not quite as binding as if we had sworn by the Lord. And so they would find other things to swear by that were big things, important things, but not as much as God. And so they would swear, as Jesus says, he tells them, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, and do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Now, a couple things. Do you see how this swearing of oaths, and we still do it today, don't we? I swear that's true. I swear on my mother's grave that's true. Why do we do that? Because we want people to believe us. And why don't they believe us? Because there's liars in the world. And there's this cycle of distrust. And this cycle of deception. And people deceive. And so people disbelieve. And because there are so many deceivers. And because there are so many liars. And because there's so much misinformation. And because so many people don't know what to believe. That we feel like we've got to ratchet up our speaking so that people listen to us above all the other noise and so that people listen to us and believe us in spite of all the lies that are in the world, but we end up perpetuating this cycle of distrust and deception. Because in the end, sometimes we end up saying things that aren't true and then we want to get out of it, but we swore. And so we find ways to, like, I actually had my fingers crossed when I said that, so it doesn't count anymore, right? And so we we perpetuate this cycle. And, and, and the Jews of Jesus' day had found ways to swear so that people would believe them. They found ways to take oaths, but just weren't quite as binding as if they had said, I swear by the Lord, or may the Lord deal with me. And so they would swear by heaven, or they would swear by earth, or they would swear by Jerusalem, or they would swear by their own head, right? But do you notice what, what Jesus does? He says, who, who dwells in heaven? Who owns the earth? Whose city is Jerusalem? 
Who is it that makes the hair on your head the color that it is? Is it you? Does Jerusalem belong to you or does it belong to the great king? Does heaven, is heaven where you dwell or is heaven where God dwells? Is the earth your footstool or is it God's? Is it you that determines what color your hair is or is it God? It's, it's him. And so Jesus says, don't you see that even, even when you swear by these other things, you're still invoking the credibility of God? When you lend your name to something, when you lend your word to something, when you lend your credibility to something, you lend God's as well. If you belong to God, if you are God's people, if you are citizens of his kingdom, if God's people lend their name, lend their word, lend their credibility to something, then they lend God's as well. So Jesus says, even when you're swearing by your head, your head belongs to God. Even when you're swearing by Jerusalem, Jerusalem belongs to the great king. Even when you're swearing by the earth, the earth is God's footstool. Even when you swear by heaven, the heavens belong to God. So you're, you're invoking the credibility of God no matter how you swear. So he says, just stop doing it. Stop taking these sorts of oaths because all you're doing is perpetuating the cycle of deception and distrust. All you're doing is indicating that your word can't really be trusted unless you ratchet it up with an oath. All you're doing is saying, if I just said yes or I just said no, you couldn't really believe me, but you better believe me now because I swore on my mother's grave, so it must be true. Or I swore by Jerusalem, so it must be true. Or I swore by my head, like you could take my head off if it wasn't true, so it must be true. And Jesus says, all you're doing is perpetuating this cycle of distrust and deception. So look at what he says in verse 37. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. This sort of voluntarily swearing an oath to things. Just ratcheting it up so that people will believe you. So that people will listen to you. So that people believe that you're telling the truth. It comes from evil, Jesus says. Why does it come from evil? Because this is at the heart of evil, isn't it? This is why we live in a world where we don't know what to believe. We don't know what to believe. We don't know whether to believe that politician or that politician. We don't know whether to believe this news network or that news network. We don't know whether to believe this friend or that friend. And so we end up only believing the things that we already believe and nobody can convince us otherwise. And we end up perpetuating lies and deception because we play into this game. Jesus says all of this, all of this swearing and oath-taking, it's just perpetuating this evil of distrust and deception. And isn't that exactly what we're still doing? Oh, we may not say the words all the time. I swear this is true, but that's exactly, exactly what we tend to do. Listen to me. I'm telling the truth. The things that I say are true. Jesus says stop and simply let your yes be yes, and your no be no. I'm not going to play those games. I'm not going to perpetuate that cycle. 
I'm not going to keep going round and round and round and round. If I say it, it's true. If I say it's not true, then it's not true. If I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. If I say I did that, then I did that. If I said this person did such and such and I saw him do it, then you know that it's true because these people, these people, God's people, citizens of God's kingdom, they don't perpetuate things that are not true. They don't perpetuate lies. They don't perpetuate misinformation. They only speak truth. So what if this? What if we decided our homes will be places of trust and truth? Truth and trust. We only speak truth here. Even if misinformation supports our views, if it's misinformation, we don't put it out. We don't spread it. We don't keep it going. We stop it here. We don't tolerate lies. We're not going to play that game. We're not going to perpetuate that cycle of deception and distrust. This is going to be a home where we start a cycle of truth and trust. This is going to be a place where when we say yes, you can believe it. Where we foster an environment of trust where people don't feel like they have to swear. They don't, they, feel like they, they don't feel like they have to take an oath. They don't feel like they have to ratchet it up a notch in order for us to believe them. And we don't feel like we have to ratchet it up a notch in order to be believed because our homes are known to be places of truth and trust. But here's the thing, church. Like Peter, we've all blown it, haven't we? Like Peter, we've participated in deception and distrust. Like Peter, we've spread things that weren't true. Maybe we spread them knowing they weren't true. Maybe we swore to them and we knew this probably isn't true. Or maybe we just spread it and later we found out that it wasn't true. Either way, we've participated in this cycle. We've participated in us living in a world where nobody knows what to believe anymore. Nobody knows who to trust. Nobody knows what to trust. And so we only believe the things we already believe. And we keep spreading more lies. Like Peter, we've all participated in that, haven't we? Like Peter, we've all spread things that weren't true. And when Peter realizes what he's done, of course, he goes out and he weeps bitterly. But do you know what he finds in Jesus? He finds in Jesus mercy, grace, forgiveness, and mission. He finds in Jesus forgiveness and mercy and grace and mission. Jesus doesn't just forgive him. He says, now, go feed my sheep. Go tell the world about me. Go and make disciples of every nation. Go and tell every creature under heaven that I am king. Go and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go on mission. Guys, that's, church, that's what we can find 
in Jesus is mercy and grace and forgiveness and mission. Jesus, Jesus knows that we've participated in the disinformation. Jesus knows we've participated in the deception. Jesus knows we've participated in the distrust. Jesus knows that we've spread information just because it supported our views. Jesus knows we've said things and we've spread things and we've told things that turned out to be untrue, whether we knew it at the time or not. Jesus knows and he's willing to forgive. Isn't that good news? In Jesus, we can find forgiveness, but we can also find mission Mission, to go into the world and to tell the world about Jesus, but also to live out this cycle, this new and better cycle of truth and trust, where we become beacons of truth in our neighborhoods, where people know, yeah, I'm pretty sure that family votes this way, but I'll tell you what, I never hear them spread any disinformation, even when it supports their view. This family, when they say they're going to do something, man, they do it. They do it. They do, and they keep their commitments. If they say they're going to do something, their word is gold. And if they say that they saw something, then they saw it. If they said that somebody said something, then they said it. These people speak truth. What if? What if every follower of Jesus was known for that? What if every household, if every home that bore the name of Christ, of Christian, could be known as places of truth and trust, where we don't perpetuate this cycle of deception and distrust, where we establish in Jesus this new cycle of truth and trust? That's what we want to try to do this week, isn't it, church? to find forgiveness for not only believing the lies and being fooled, but for playing into the lies and spreading the lies and commit to being people that are all about truth and all about trust. Let's work to be that kind of people the kind of people that don't always agree with each other's opinions. You don't have to agree with everyone. Your view isn't going to be like everyone else's view, but you never have to spread misinformation in order to support your view. If your view is true and you stand upon it and that's your perspective and that's your conclusion, you don't have to spread lies or deception or mistruth in order for that to be your view. In fact, as followers of Jesus, we have to be committed. I won't tolerate lies in our family. We are going to be people of truth and people of trust. And in Jesus, we find the forgiveness to start over and the road to walk on to take the next step. That's our mission this year. That's our theme this year is take the next step by faith. So Think together with your family today. What can we do? What can we do as a family? Whether you're a family of one or a family of 21, what can we do as a family to be a place of truth and trust, a beacon of truth in our neighborhood? Church, thank you so very much for being with us this morning. We're going to have another song. We're going to have an update from one of our elders. And then we're going to be closed in prayer by our brother, Reese Miller, from his home. So thank you for being with us this morning.